Welcome to the Extra Podcast at Northview Community Church. My name is Sarah Friesen, and I have some guests with me, and they're going to introduce themselves, and then we have a surprise guest that will be walking in here shortly. That's right. So I'm John. I am also a pastoral intern here with Sarah, and I used to be on the podcast a long time ago, and then they decided that they had better hosts like Sarah, and so they handed the role over to her. Not quite. You were too busy with that, all your other immersive work. Okay, fine. That's well, probably you, the real reason. You could have not given them the real reason yeah. and just let them think it was something different, but that is why. I was super busy with things going on in mission, and so I transitioned out of hosting and am now mostly over in mission doing my thing out there. Great. Yeah, and I'm Kendra, so I'm going to be on the podcast uh, for this topic today and probably next week's as well. Um, so I'm an immersed student at the Abbotsford campus at Downs Road, and I work in women's ministry and discipleship with Crystal and Kyle. So it's been a fun uh, three years. Crystal um, has had Sarah and myself for the last two and a half years, and John has been over at the mission. So the three of us um, are third-year immersed students. We're just kind of wrapping up our time doing our MDiv and John has his fingers crossed, hoping to be done. Uh, but yeah, it's been it's been really great. So you may have heard all of our voices at different times on the podcast. Yeah. And so John's here, Kendra's here, and we are waiting for Greg. Pastor Greg is in a East Abbotsford meeting and he'll be here any minute and there'll be a little bit of a noise when he comes through the door. So in reality, they're all just waiting for, to hear Greg. Everyone's waiting to hear Greg. So don't right. turn us off. Right. Wait for Greg. Exactly. There you go. He yeah. will be here, we he promise. And we have a great topic today. We are talking about theology, why it doesn't matter. And we all think it matters because we are immersed students, we're theology students, and we were just at something called ETS. And what does that mean, John? ETS. ETS. Evangelical Theological Society. I like to describe it as the place where I go to get my nerd on. Aww, Isn't it fun? True. Yeah. It is kind of true. There's a lot of nerds there. So basically, it's a it's a large conference with lots of different uh, mini breakout sessions is probably the best way to put it, of people talking about different topics. Mm -hmm. So they'll do a lot of research, and then they'll come to their session, and they'll explain or read a paper about uh, a biblical idea or a theological concept or cultural issues or any number of things related to understanding the Bible and understanding God and who he is. Yeah. And it's mostly profs or authors that are reading their papers. Right. Or PhD students yeah. or people who are doing um, higher, higher education in theology. We actually had Northview represented at we ETS. Did. We That's had right. Kyle Meeker, our very own Dr. Meeker, presented his own paper. Yeah. Kyle did. Was and great. he did a great job. Yeah. So what was a highlight for you, John? Um we were chatting about this a little bit earlier, and one of the, the big highlights for me was was seeing these guys who have spent their entire lives studying this topic or a topic of theology and coming to a, a new conclusion later on in their life. So mm -hmm. I went to a session where a guy early on in his life had stated one idea, and then in this session, he basically was saying, look, I disagree with myself. Mm -hmm. And the reason that he came back with it was because he came back to the scriptures and read them and studied them and said, actually, what I originally thought was wrong based on how I'm reading the, mm -hmm. the text. And I, that was a highlight for me because it was saying, look, this guy who has spent his entire life studying this topic and is way smarter than 
me or a lot All of the of people a lot of the people in yeah. the room and he is humble enough to yet say look this theology thing is not something to ever say i have mastered right yeah. so he holds his convictions and he has his convictions and he'll he'll strongly defend what he believes and yet at the end of the day he's still open to being challenged by the word of god yeah. and saying maybe I understood this wrong and maybe I need to come to a better understanding of this based on how I'm reading this text here. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that was, was really cool. It was a really neat environment to be among so many people who were had such strong convictions um, and were defending what they believed and why they believed it. But at the same time, it was such a teachable environment. Um, a lot of the conversations were, well, I disagree because of this, but it was done in such love and such humility um, there was no for, aggression. No, really. Nothing. It was it was all for the purpose to understand and know God and his word better. Mm-hmm. And so it was, yeah, so neat to be in a room of hundreds of people who are all striving to know God and um, and are willing to be teachable and molded into that through that process of academic refinement, thinking better as they as they go. Mm-hmm. Great. So we, in a way, we want to do a little bit of that today. We want to have a discussion about some theological issues. And so we're calling this podcast Theology, Why Does It Matter? And you're actually getting part one today. Next week, you're going to get part two. And we have some issues that sometimes seem like opposites. They're sometimes two words that don't seem to match each other. And we're going to talk about how they actually do match each other and how they work together. And we hear some noise. I think it's Greg. Yeah, Greg's arrived. Greg is here. Hello. Come on in. Let me get settled. Hello. Greg's here, everyone. I'm sorry that I'm late. (laughs) Welcome in. Everybody was waiting for you, like all the listeners. I know, they weren't even paying attention. And now that Greg's here, it's like, oh, now I can finally listen. There we go. It's not just interns. (laughs) We'll pick up right where we left off. We're doing a part one and a part two of Theology, Mm -hmm. Why Does It Matter? But we're not going to totally answer the question, why does theology matter? We're going to answer some questions within theology. But before we do that, Kendra, what's theology? Yeah, so theology is just the study of God and the study of scriptures. So God has revealed himself to us through his word. And so we want to understand uh, who God is uh, in the way that he's revealed himself. So for the Christian, that endeavor is to understand God um, as as he's revealed himself in the Bible. So any time you study the Bible and think about how do these things fit together, you're doing the work of theology. When you come um, to church Sunday morning, yeah. when you read your Bible. Theology is the work of knowing God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So these four topics, um, we're going to do two today, two topics. We're going to talk about faith and works, and we're going to talk about law and gospel. And these are real bible words, mm. but they're categories that are going to help us think and know God a little bit better. Um, but there are some landmines along the way, which is why we want to talk about them, because we want to think about them rightly and well. Mm-hmm. Well, let's start with faith and works. Yeah, faith and works. Uh, often you hear these words around church. Sometimes you may wonder, like, what do these even mean? Mm-hmm. I think in, in theology, it's often really important to, to talk about, okay, what are the words that we're talking about mean before we can actually engage in a discussion about are they con- conflicting with one another? Do they go together? Do they not? How do we put these things together? So let's just talk about faith and works first. Faith really just is this idea that it's the the content of what it is that you believe. So the, the doctrines, the statements of faith, the confessions that we make, that's our faith. Mm-hmm. So we have 
statements that we'll make about who Jesus is and what he came to do and who he was, all of these things, that that's the content of our faith. So faith is what we believe. It's what we profess. And but faith can also be something we have, right? Like we have faith in those things. Yes. So are we talking about both? At yeah, this, faith, yeah, faith includes those things, but... I think primarily it's going to be the the content. It's going to be what do you believe okay. in? It's going to be primarily the I believe, and you you're going to make some statements of what it mm-hmm. is. That's your faith. Okay. That will impact how you live, right? For example, if somebody says I have I believe that a parachute can keep me from falling out of the sky really fast, so that I can jump out of a plane. Well, that's a that's a statement of faith. Mm-hmm. The the content is mm-hmm. the belief about the parachute. But that's going to affect now how you live, right? right? You're going you're gonna to jump out of an airplane because you have a content of belief, mm. which is your faith. Mm. Okay. Works is basically in the, in the context of scripture, works is this idea of anything done in obedience to God. Some people will try to uh, dissect it down a little bit further and talk about works of the law versus works of something else, but it when you really boil it down to Paul and even some of the other writers in the New Testament, when they talk about works, that's what they're getting at is obedience done or works done in obedience to God. So that's, those are the two ideas that we're dealing with here, faith and works. And so you may never have considered that those two things could ever be in contention with one another. They could ever be contradictory. You may have grown up in your Christian faith and and heard about faith and heard about obedience to God and, and not ever thought about how those two things might work against each other. Mm-hmm. Or maybe you grew up thinking these are absolutely in conflict. Yes. And which one should I choose? Should I choose to have faith or should I choose to do works? Exactly. And this 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 apparent contradiction, this conflict comes from even the, the writers of the scriptures. So people will look at Paul where he says in Romans where he talks about how no one is justified by works of the law, but that a person is justified by faith. Right, so it seems that Paul is saying, "Look, works have no part in it. It's all what you just your, your faith, the yeah. content of what you believe." And even in that's Romans three, Romans four, he says, "Now to the one who works, wages are not accredited as a gift, but as an obligation." However, the one who does not work but trusts God, who justifies the ungodly, their faith is credited as righteousness. Okay, so, so another score, mark right? For faith. So mark for faith, yeah. and then you get James. And James will say, James is, is, is writing to this letter, and he gets to this part where he starts to talk about faith, and he says this, what good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith, a content of belief, but does not have works, the, the obedience to God? They're not doing anything right. that shows that they have faith. Can that kind of faith save him? And then he gives you an illustration. If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled. So you got lots of nice things to say to this person who has nothing. You're like, oh, it's great. You know what? Uh, It's a blessing. It's a prayer. It's may God bless you. May God fill you. All of these things. And James continues, without giving them the things needed for the body. So you say these things and then give nothing. What good is that? James is saying it's, it's useless. So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. And I think that's a key verse that a lot of us have heard over right. the years. Faith without works is dead. Exactly. And so you can see how there's this this now 
what seems like this great contradiction between James and Paul, mm-hmm. right? Paul seems to say that it's faith alone, you are justified before God, you are made right before God by your faith only, and James seems to be saying, well, no, 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 you have to have right faith, because if you read James 1 in the beginning of James 2, he talks about how you need to believe right things in order to have a relationship with God, but James is, it seems that James is saying that it's not that that saves you, it's that and works. Hmm. So, which is it? Because it seems like there's a contradiction here now. Right. Right. And if we want to have a relationship with the Lord, we need to know how is it that we can be saved. Exactly. Yeah. So, can I ask a question? Absolutely. So then, what's the, like, what, what's the problem? Did you already address that? Like, I'm, I'm hearing you say things that don't, don't seem to be uh, diametrically opposed. So, so how how do we get from all those truth? Like, so I'm a mm-hmm. let's it just seems say to fit. it seems. Let's to just fit. say I'm a Bible guy, and I'm listening to this podcast, and I'm thinking to myself, right? If the Bible says it, I'll believe it. That settles it, right? So, what leads this faith works thing to actually be a contentious issue? Because of how sometimes. James can be understood because James will say later on um, that Abraham, uh, so James says, a person is justified by their works and not by faith alone, whereas Paul seems to say something completely different, right? It's The problem is when we, we start to weigh too heavily one side or the other, right? And we are broken, sinful mm-hmm. people who misunderstand things all the time. And if we start only doing the deeds mm-hmm. and we start to think, well, our faith is not really what saves us. It's probably my deeds that are saving me. Mm-hmm. I think that's when we really kind of come into conflict with these. Right. So the it, it really comes down to the words that's used by James and Paul. Mm-hmm. Because James will say, was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? So that word justified is is this like legal declaration of righteous before God. Mm-hmm. It's the same word that Paul uses when you when he says you are justified by faith, not by works. So which is it? Mm-hmm. That's where the contradiction comes mm-hmm. in. And so how do we sort this out? Right. Is it yeah, is it that James and Paul are saying different things? Because historically, people actually thought that they are kind of in contradiction mm-hmm. with each other, right? Yeah. Or didn't, is didn't, there a way to, to put these things together? Didn't Luther famously think that the book of James shouldn't be in the Bible? Right. It's straw the, epistle. epistle of straw. <laughs> the epistle Take it of out. Straw. Get rid of it. I think, I think there's cultural reasons for that, like what was going on in his day. Mm-hmm. So, so you get Luther, who lives in a Catholic context where... There is this understanding of you have faith, and that's what gets you your first acceptance with God, gets you in the door, but then your works are what ultimately vindicate you or show you as righteous and good before God and and win you final salvation. And so Luther is saying, okay, that doesn't actually fit with what Paul's saying. Mm-hmm. So, of course, he's going to have take issue with James because... James seems to be saying exactly what the Catholic Church was saying. And what the Catholic Church elevated and commanded Mm -hmm. of its people. Right. But you get other guys throughout history who are going to elevate James because of the the context they live in. So you get um, other preachers who are living in in an age where everybody has this belief about who God is and who Jesus is, and yet no concern for the commands that God gives us. Mm -hmm. And so there, 
it, cultural context is going to determine a big part of which parts of this you emphasize. Hmm. Um, so, so why does this matter for our listeners? Like, I mean, we're kind of in that theological world, right. being students here at Northview, working as pastors at Northview. We've just been to ETS. And so we're kind of on this train and we can talk about mm-hmm. it for a long time. Mm-hmm. I mean, we were all together on plane rides and van rides. Mm-hmm. And if you don't like theology, you would have been sleeping because it was <laughs> a big part of the discussion a lot mm-hmm. of times. So for our listeners, though, how does this affect their lives? I, and- I, I think what Kendra said earlier is, okay, so how do we, how are we right before God? I think that's a really big question that a lot of us wrestle with, right? What, when God sees me, does, how does he see me? Hmm. And what is it that affects how God sees me? Mm-hmm. So is it all of the good things that I do or the bad things that I do or the bad things I don't do? Is that what's going to give me that standing before God where he looks at me and says, okay, you're in, right? Because if you read James, you may get that feeling of like, man, I have to do all the things. So how should our hearts be when we're doing these good things? That's a great question. I think that the difference between James and Paul is not that far apart. Mm-hmm. So there seems to be a contradiction there, but I don't think there actually is. Because if you read more carefully in Paul, he actually will say a lot of the same things. Hmm. He'll say like in Galatians 5 that you will not gratify the desires of the flesh if you walk by the Spirit. Hmm. Right? So... There's this sense that for Paul, your, your beliefs affect how you live. Mm-hmm. Or in, even in Ephesians 2, at the end of this great statement of what faith, of how God has saved us, he says that we were saved for what? Two good works. Mm-hmm. But right? it's in a response of love and thankfulness. Absolutely. Because of the faith we have. Right. And, and I think the key thing that a lot of people may or may not get to is that James is not saying that you add good works to your faith. Mm. It's not that you have faith, you believe all these good things, and now you have to go and find all these things that you have to obey to add, and that's what seals the deal. Mm. It doesn't what, bolster up your faith. Exactly. What James is saying is, is that you, you can test the genuineness of your faith by just looking back over your life, not looking forward into what you need to do, but looking back over your life, what have you done? Mm-hmm. Right, Because this is what he's doing with Abraham. It's not that he looks and sees Abraham must have done these things. He looks back at Abraham's life and says, look what Abraham did. Because he had faith. Because he had faith. Yeah. Right? So coming back to the illustration I mm. brought out at the beginning, jumping out of an airplane. Right, yeah. There's a content piece. There's a content piece yeah. of I have faith in a parachute. Mm. But do I really have faith if I don't jump out of an airplane? Right, the genuineness of that faith exactly. is displayed when you do jump out of the airplane. Yes. So hmm. for people, I think that the way this hits home is sometimes the, the guarantee of our salvation is sometimes held more lightly when we think about how we live our lives, right? We think, I didn't do enough good things. I did too many bad things. God could never accept me. And this is where... The, the interplay between James and Paul becomes really, really important because Paul's going to say it's not about what you did or what you have done or will do, right? Your salvation, your guarantee of salvation is based upon what Christ has done. Mm-hmm. But James is going to say, look, don't, don't think that it doesn't matter now, right? Like there's still a God who commands your allegiance. Mm. And he has set, it in, set things in place and said, this is what's going to be best for you. So follow this. Yeah, because at the end of the day, they're not, they're not two separate things. No. But we need to, 
we can't just hope for the best, Mm-mm. right? We do right. need to be aware of these yeah. things. So we're going to move on to our second one. Great. So thanks, John. Faith and Works by John Mulder. Uh, our second one is Law and Gospel. And I'll be kind of taking the lead on this one. Okay. Um, I chose this topic because a long time ago I had a teacher and she, uh, she was a Bible teacher, like a pastor, and she had a big whiteboard and she put a line down the middle and she put law on one side and gospel on the other. And she said, let's fill this up with words. What do you think of when you think of law? What do you think of when you think of gospel? So I have a bunch of words, Mm. but what are some of the words that you guys would kind of throw out there? Just like off the top of your head when you hear law. Duty. Rules. Don't do this. Yeah, punishment. Yeah. Rewards. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A lot of shalls. Shalls. And shalt not. Shall not. So I'm like, what are I'm you like, talking are you about? No, no, not like a beach, like a shall. Like a, a shall. shall, and a you, shall, shall you shall do this. You shall yeah, not yeah, do that. Like the King yeah. James. Thou yeah. shalt. Thou shalt. Yeah. Sometimes they're for protection. Like I think that can, that draws an image in my mind. Yeah. Like laws, yeah. police officers, they protect. Yeah. But sometimes you think of fear. Like... Stepping on eggshells, like have to do things just right. Yeah. Authority. Yeah. Those sorts of things. So mm-hmm. what about gospel? Grace. Freedom. Good news. Jesus. Yeah. They're positive, right? We have these words like growing and grace and mm. they're good words. So mm. somehow in our minds, we have this idea that gospel is good mm. and law is bad mm-hmm. um, and that they're, they contradict, they're opposite. If you believe in the gospel, you don't need the law. And that's kind of the dichotomy that we have created in our minds and mm-hmm. that we we seem to um, just express even in our language and in what we do. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I want us to talk about is how we wouldn't actually have a gospel without the law, mm-hmm. how the law, when I say law, I'm talking about like the Old Testament Mosaic law, mm-hmm. the law that God gave Moses for the people to live by. Um, but when we talk about law in our lives as Christians today, um, we, we more mean God's commands, right? The things that he tells us to do in the Bible, but we'll go back and forth between them. And hopefully I I clarify it as we go through it. Mm. But gospel is the good news. The gospel is uh, Jesus coming as a man, God's son on earth and taking our sin upon him and dying on the cross and, and living again three days later. Okay. So those are, those are the concepts that we're going to be, that we're going to be talking about. So when we go back to the Old Testament, um, like I said, God gave Moses the law, um, and the purpose was so that they could they could have this covenant with God. And God said, "Here's a law, and you guys obey this, and and you'll be blessed." Um, but what did the law show these people? That they just really couldn't keep it. They couldn't keep it. No. Even though they said, yes, we'll do it. We'll do it. That was the most immature thing that they could say when Moses gave them the law. Because they actually said, that they, they should have said, that's so hard. We need your help. Because mm. the law in itself exposes how sinful we are. Um, and then we have Jesus who comes in the New Testament. And he says that he fulfills that law. So he's not saying that it's completely unnecessary because it has it has a history for these Jewish people like the law is actually very important for them mm-hmm. um, but he does say I've come to fulfill the law and he says that in Matthew 5 verse 17 do not think that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets I have not come to abolish them but to fulfill them so that tells us something that word fulfill means that it's not complete Right, like the mm. law was there, but it's not full. It's not finished. It's not yet what it needs to be. 
mm-hmm. and Jesus came to make it, make it what it needs to be, mm-hmm. right? So that's kind of a, a bit of the history around what can sometimes make these two things, I think, a bit contentious. Um, but I want to talk about how they're real or current issues today. Like what can happen if we lean too heavily towards the law in our lives? And what can happen if we kind of ignore everything that God teaches us in the Bible and say, I'm saved by grace. Mm. Mm. Um, the, the church tradition that I kind of grew up in and John grew up in was um, kind of Dutch Christian reformed. And there was a little bit of that, that underlined people's actions sometimes. Like, it doesn't matter what I do, I'm forgiven. Mm-hmm. I'm chosen by God. I can do whatever I want. Hmm. And yet there's other church traditions and denominations that focus even more heavily on the law. Yeah, that would be like my mom growing up. There were all these rules. You can't wear jeans to school. You can't mm. smoke. You can't um, play cards. You can't go to the movie theater. Like all these things distance you so far from God. And so you just better follow all the rules and do it the right way. Yeah. And there's this fear-based obedience to some rule that's been set over you. And that's how you can, you're good with the church and you're good with the Lord. And I think those are real issues for us, all of us today. When we start to think, I can obey God and I can do the works like was what John was talking about. And those works are what make me good for the gospel. Mm. But but there's a huge mm. error in that because if you think your works and obeying the things that God asks you to obey is what gets you salvation, like you're not going to measure up. Mm. Right. So I think this is a, a balance that, I mean, I see it in my own life. I see it with my kids. I think all of us at other times in our lives, we have a tendency to go either towards law or to go towards gospel because law can feel kind of safe, mm-hmm. right? There's been a lot of times where I've taught um, at Bible study or sat at a table and women just want to know what to do. Yeah. Tell me what to do. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's the same with guys too, right? Having the, it's, uh, so, for example, having this last weekend uh, in our services, we were talking about our multiplication vision and uh, trying to encourage people to give sacrificially to it and joyfully and generously. And the impulse in, in all of us is mm-hmm. like, okay, well, give me the number we want to reach and then give me the like breakdown of what that would look like if you're in my economic exactly. s- bracket. Yeah. And now, like, let me know what that number is so that I know I've been giving joyfully, generously, sacrificially. Right. So, so give, give me the number. Yeah. Tell me what I need to give. And then I'll hit it. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'll check that. Give me the bar. And that right. feels safe. And I might, then... even go, I might even go one or two steps above the bar. Right. But, but I know, but oh, I know where the bar th- is. Then I'm even better. Right. And oh, we get in a lot of trouble when we do right. that. And yeah. But then at least I know where the bar is. Yeah. So do we want to pit then and say, okay, well, law is, we abuse it so much and we find so much comfort in knowing that I'm doing things right. Do we want to say then the law, we should just push it totally to the side? So yeah, I guess. How do these two, if these are contentious issues, law and gospel, how do we handle both of them fairly? Or I guess uh, maybe this is another way to phrase it. How does the law relate to the Christian who is under the gospel? Yeah. Mm. So what, what relationship does the law, and I'm thinking specifically now of like the Ten Commandments, Okay. how does that apply to a Christian's life who now is free in the gospel? If Christ is the fulfillment of all of that, mm-hmm. 
how does the law then become applied to, and should we apply the law, to the life of somebody who is free in Christ under the gospel, the good news? Mm-hmm. Well, I just happened to have watched a video oh. <laughs> by D.A. Carson, and he talks about the law and gospel. And I think that this will kind of answer a little bit of what Kendra and John were asking. But he talks about how the law actually, like it preceded the gospel, um, and the law makes demands, and these demands are for our own good, right? Like we do, we can look at the Old Testament and the the Ten Commandments, and we can look at them and we go, these will protect us. Like these are good things for us, okay? Mm-hmm. But they're not intrinsically good enough to actually transform us. And I love the word intrinsic and extrinsic because I used it a lot when I was teaching, and I will talk about what they mean. Um if you are extrinsically motivated, it means you're doing things for a prize or to not be punished. Like it's all outward. And like that's when I run, I have a sticker chart. And basically, uh, I run so I can get a sticker on that day. You do? Yeah, I do. Oh, Kendra. Because it's hard to motivate myself to go. But the sticker, somehow, I'm still like five in that category. Right. I want the sticker. So I run. So you run. Yeah. Anything it takes. Extrinsic motivation yes, right there. Totally. Greg, were you going to say something? Do you want a sticker, Greg? Just that neither stickers nor running (laughs) are are anywhere close to things I care about. So I I need a new system. Well, I do this (laughs) even for my homework, right? Like I have a lot of schoolwork to Mm -hmm. do and I will have like a Netflix show that I want to watch, but only until I get my schoolwork done. Mm -hmm. Okay. So it's like the carrot. It is the carrot. Totally. To sit on the couch for like half an hour and just watch something and not read, right? Mm. So we do this in different ways. Um, And it can motivate us. There's threats and promises and it can produce a lot of good works, no doubt. We see a lot of people who do a lot of good things based on extrinsic motivation. But in contrast, grace covers the entire gospel and grace can actually transform us and grace through the gospel is the intrinsic motivation. So it's what is actually transforming us inside. Hmm. And like the law does a really good job of exposing our sin and showing our weakness. The Ten Commandments do that, right? Um, But without the gospel and Jesus fulfilling the law, the law itself has no power to deliver us from our sin. Like, we will just constantly be banging our head thinking, why can't I do this better? Why do I keep failing at everything I'm trying? Even though I'm getting the stickers sometimes, and even though I'm getting my half an hour on the couch sometimes, I'm still not good enough. Mm-hmm. Um, and apart from the gospel, the law will always do that. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I'm a mom, I've got three kids, and so I can't help but think, how do I do this well or not well as a parent? And the example that I'm going to give, I think if you're not a parent, you can still use it even for yourself or for in your, your workplace, um, in relationship with the people that you have. Um, there's a book by Paul Tripp, and it's called Parenting 14 Gospel Principles. So it's in, I mean, he's actually giving 14 principles that could kind of sound like law, <laughs> but he's right. giving them <laughs> within the context of the gospel, okay? Mm. And so he's talking about how... Um, how we can't actually parent without the gospel or how we will do a terrible job if we're parenting without the gospel. I don't want to, I don't want parents to feel like they're terrible because they're not using the gospel in terms of um, transforming children's hearts. Mm. We need the gospel. That's Mm. what I'm trying to say. Okay. So he has this part in his book where he's talking about God's grace being essential. And he says, no matter what you do, um, 
sin messes everything up. It's sin that makes your children or yourself um, resist guidance and authority. It's sin that causes us to be in conflict. It's sin that gets in the way gets in the way of us learning. It's sin that causes us to be attracted to what is hurtful or destructive. It's sin that causes us to be entitled, demanding, materialistic, and complaining. And these are all things that go against God's law that I'm saying, right? And the law having rules for your kids, having rules for yourself, that actually has no ability to deliver us from that mess. Right. And without God's rescue, without his forgiving, without his transforming, without his delivering grace, which is the gospel, um, we will just be stuck in that cycle. Hmm. And so for myself as a parent, I can have lots of rules. I can have lots of ways that I want my kids to look and I can motivate them with extrinsic things so they look that way to the Behave outside world. It's behavioral, mm-hmm. like, kind of psychology that we can do and kind of um, do our best to produce these little robots, hmm. right? And that, like, it never lasts. <laughs> it never, never lasts. Um, but unless I'm doing those things with the gospel, like showing mm-hmm. grace and showing forgiveness, and yet there, there would still be consequences. I'm not saying that you have a family rule and the family rule gets broken and there's no consequences. Like there's for sure still consequences, but there's grace within that. And and that we're constantly teaching the gospel through um, living a life that has deeds like what, and and it has works like what, what John was saying. So the faith bit is like the gospel bit. The works bit is kind of like law. It's still the obedience. It's, it's still all intermixed. And so, it's hard to separate each one of these things. Yeah, it really is. As we were talking about these two topics before we jumped into this podcast, it, I was thinking and, and even said it out loud that these these topics, as we discuss them, you will see how they kind of almost are all intertwined together. Mm-hmm. And there's there's different labels that we put on them. So like law and gospel. Well, yeah, because gospel is about having faith and there's freedom and there's you know, there's the forgiveness and all these things for not being obedient. Yeah. And yet there's the law, which says, no, you're guilty. And there's the works, which are like, man, we should be obedient. And we should follow this God who has given his life for us. Mm. And so there's both of these things at play mm-hmm. constantly. Yeah. Hmm. All right. Well, that's faith and works and law and gospel. And next week we will have Kendra talking about words and deeds and Greg talking about God's sovereignty and personal responsibility. Hmm. So... We are going to close now. And Greg, I'm going to ask if you can close and pray for our listeners. Yes, for sure. Father, uh, thank you for your word. Thank you that uh, you reveal to us who you are in your word. And uh, right now I'm particularly thankful for uh, our Savior Jesus, who was uh, intrinsically motivated to keep the law because there was no sin in him. And in his active obedience and his complete fulfilling of the law, doing all the things that Israel should have done, do all the things that we need to do to have a relationship with you, he he did them out of an intrinsic motivation and also for the joy set before him and the glory yet to come. He, he did it. And because he's done it and because he's paid for our sin uh, in our place, we now have the gospel being offered to us. And you ask for us to respond to that good news in faith so that in light of our faith, we can live the lives that you've set before us to do the good works you prepared beforehand for us to do, so that people around us would be blessed and you would be glorified. So Lord, would you help us by your spirit, not only to think well of these things, but that our thinking well would lead us to living well for your glory, we pray. Amen. Amen.